Elliot joins me now from 32 Thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. Um, how are you, Jeff? I hear the uh, I hear the hot weather is finally in uh, in Toronto. Oh, it's boiling. I went for a run super early this morning because I knew that I wouldn't be brave enough to do it once the radio show was over because I'd step outside and I'd start melting like a snowman. So mm-hmm. I did it really early, anticipation of this great melt this afternoon. Yeah, it's a hot one. Next couple of days are going to be boiling. But here I am talking to someone in Tampa about how hot it is here. Yeah, we, you know what? We just got off. This is going to be a funny picture. We just got off the sport court. Me and three of the producers, Eddie Hall, Jeff Jurdat, and Ryan Zaneviak. We were doing yeah. a little basketball. And uh, I, I, I'm a bit of a puddle right now. <laughs> You're leaking pretty good. I'm guessing because Jurdak's got the height that he's probably the best basketball player of the four of you. Uh, I, Eddie Hall is. I, I used to play pickup on Thursday nights with Eddie Hall. And uh, Jurdak's good, uh, but Eddie is, is really good. He's fast, and he's a good shooter. We played around the world, and uh, Eddie won a game, and Jurdak won a game, and I choked when I had a chance to steal it. Mm. So it was pretty, this pretty is- embarrassing, actually. Mm. This is a big one for Jurdat. This is his first Stanley Cup. Now, I've done, I can't remember how many, five, six Memorial Cups with Jurdat, and mm-hmm. I always found he was one of, if not the most prepared producers I've ever worked with. So this is, this is a big one. for. Uh, like we always talk about, oh, this is this announcer's first Stanley Cup, this player's first Stanley Cup, this official's first Stanley Cup. This is a big one for Jeff Jurdat producing the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, and, and don't tell him I told you this, but he's actually doing a really good job. No surprise. Uh, he's also an OMHA OMHA official uh, as well. Yes. Why people? Why people? Cho- why people choose to do? He has a great temperament for it because he doesn't get rattled. He doesn't get. He doesn't get. You know. He doesn't get uh, get upset about anything. But uh, that's what he does in his spare time. He officiates. Bless that man, Elliot. Bless that man. Um, so a couple of things, and I want to get into the NHL awards, and, and that goes tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern. So the awards handed out will be the Hart, the Vez, and the Norris, the Calder, Ted Lindsay, and Jim Gregory, GM of the Year Award. I want to park some time to talk about that one because I think it's an interesting field. Um, but even before we get to the game last night, Elliot, um, Nick Kiprios with the tweet this morning, three-year deal, Edmonton Oilers and Jay Woodcraft, Woodcroft, to which Elliot Friedman says what? Well, I don't think anybody is surprised this it was happening. Um, I think we all thought this was going to trend in this direction, that Jay Woodcroft was going to be the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers for a few years. Um, it probably happened a little slower than some people would like, but uh, it's not uh, a big surprise, I don't think, to anybody. There, there, there was no good reason for this not to work. I mean, it would have been a real... I don't know if failure is the right word, but I'll use it. It would have been a real failure if I think Jay Woodcroft wasn't coaching the Oilers this year. It worked very well, and it's key. To, it's it's clear that the best players like them, so that's you know that that's what matters. If your if your top players are buying into the coach, uh, you better have a good reason for not keeping the coach, and there didn't appear to be one in this particular case. Uh, we'll stand by to find out about uh, more details about that. I'm assuming Dave Manson comes along with the package as well. I, I would. I, I would. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if we're going to get clarity on everything in the, in the front office, too, at some point this week. I've been led to believe that we probably will. 
Okay, we will uh, stand by for that. So that's the very latest. So let's have a peek back at last night. Uh, main takeaways for you, and I, I, I do want to get to the cross-check on, on Kucherov, but um, main takeaways for you from last night's 6-2 to two win, which thankfully means now that we have a real series on our hands. Um, well, first of all, we should say that uh, John Cooper met with the media this morning, and he said that Kucherov is likely to play, but Braden Point isn't. Um, you know, one of the things that it sounds like is possibility here is, you know, that Point wanted to play, but the Lightning just didn't think it was a good idea. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get clarity on that at, at some time. Uh, but, you know, Point is a great player, but you can see, you know, he clearly was himself. He couldn't get to where he needed to go. And, you know, that obviously had was a, one of the reasons that Tampa, I think, was struggling. And, um, you know, last night, I mean, if you look at the play five on five, uh, Colorado had the shot advantage in a lot of cases, but they weren't getting the chances that they got, uh, that they were getting in games one and two. Like the breakdowns just weren't there from Tampa. I thought the two biggest plays of the game were the early save on Comfort and the video review. You know, if, if Colorado gets one or two of those early goals, then it's very possible that's a very different game. But Vasilevsky makes a huge save, and Tampa gets some time to make the right uh, review call, and all of a sudden it's a different game. And Tampa gets their feet underneath them, gets their legs underneath them, and then started going. And I think the other thing that really stood out to me, Jeff, was when Colorado made noise about coming back after either of the Landeskog goals. Tampa just kept going. They, they kept their poise, and they didn't unravel like they did in the first two games in, uh, in, uh, in, in Denver. Let me, uh, let me make a quick side note here about Gabriel Landeskog. I know that, you know, Kale McCarr has been outstanding in these playoffs from the get-go, and he would be the odds-on favorite to win the Smythe Trophy or hand it out today. Uh, but can you low-key make a case for Gabriel Landeskog as well? Goals number 10 and 11 last night for the uh, Avalanche captain. Absolutely you could. I don't see why not. I mean, you could make a, a case for him. I, I don't think it's the best case. I'm with you. It's Makar. Um, you know, okay, so, uh, like, here's here's a question for you. I, I meant to actually ask you this last night on the podcast, but I forgot. I was talking about this with, a, with someone else. Is it insane? Is it insane to put Connor McDavid third on a consummate ballot? Uh, nothing in the description of the award does it say you have to play in the Stanley Cup final. And he has dusted the field. And he will, he's not playing in the Stanley Cup final. He'd probably lead all point scorers in points. Um, I don't think it's nuts. You know I love stuff like this. Yes. I would be, and I don't have a vote you do. Uh, I would be really tempted to do it, but I don't have a single hand on the wheel here. So the person that doesn't have a doesn't have a dog in the fight says, "Yeah, go for it. I'm cool with it." But you have a vote. Would you do it? I would. So, so you know, I, I've been thinking about it. Obviously, I have still at least two more games before I have to make this decision, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I've been thinking about it. The, the thing, the biggest thing to me is, is that if you're like, I, I think McCarr is going to be on my ballot no matter what. Colorado wins or Colorado loses, I think McCarr has to be on the ballot. Mm-hmm. 
And so if you do McCarr McDavid plus one, you're probably costing a really good Colorado player or a really good Tampa player, both of whom would be deserving of votes. And I, and I just wonder if, if they get there, you know, is, is that right? So I'm kind of wrestling with it, but, you know, like to me, McCarr has to be on the ballot. Win or lose, he has to be there. Yeah. And I, I just wonder at that point, like if you, like, let's just say your ballot is X McCarr McDavid or it's McCarr X McDavid. There's a lot of really good players who got to the final that aren't getting voted on. And I'm just trying to decide how I feel about that. Uh, Valery Nichushkin, Nikita Kucherov, Gabriel Landeskog. Steven Stamkos. Uh, Stamkos. I think you can make a case for Andre Palat to get one of those votes as well, Frege. Um, if Vasilevsky shuts the door and Tampa can do this, I think Vasilevsky is going to get some more consideration. And you know what? You know who's been really good, too? We haven't really talked a whole ton about, if at all. Miko Ranton has been excellent. Yeah, very good. Ranton has been, I mean, he gets he gets buried, um, you know, behind Kale McCarr and uh, Nathan McKinnon and lately the uh, the shiny new toy, which is um, uh, Valeri Nachushkin. But Miko Ranton has been excellent in these playoffs. Excellent, two, very good. Two ways, two ways he's been he's been good. He's he's been an excellent player. I'm not against it. I love it. 33 points in three rounds of the uh, postseason. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and as I can hear Oilers fans right now saying, "Well, hold on a second. You know, Leon Draisaitl got 32 points as well. So if you're putting Connor up there, where's Leon?" Well, look, two of them aren't getting votes. Like Oilers fans, don't be greedy. <laughs> Uh, how do we do it? Volume, volume, volume. Give me more. Yeah. If you're going to do one, then then do the other. Um, you have a thought on Darcy Kemper last night? Like, I know that Darcy Kemper hasn't had to, you know, hasn't been in a position to steal a game yet. So we look at goaltenders and say, okay, how many games have you stolen? Um, how many times have you kept your team in the game? Colorado hasn't put Darcy Kemper in a position to do that. And I would look at Darcy Kemper and I would say, he's been okay. Nothing spectacular, but Colorado is spectacular, and that compensates for having a goaltender. That's not spectacular, but last night was anything but spectacular uh, for Darcy Kemper. Five goals on 22 shots. Well, you know, I think that, uh, I, I think that look, like, I don't think you're starting Francois in game four. Uh, but I do all of a sudden think this is a huge game for, for Kemper. Um, look, he, he was out with an injury. They had a choice for game one of the Stanley Cup final. They went with Kemper. You know, that says to me clearly, he's their number one guy. And they're, they're coming back, you know, they're coming back with him in game four. But if he has another rough night, then, then, then I think they're going to have a decision to make, a, a big decision to make. I think you can be allowed to have a bad game. And if you're Vasilevsky, I think you can have two or three bad games. But, you know, for the Avalanche, I'm not sure how, how much – at some point in time, if we're 2-2 in the cup final, like if he stands his head and makes 39 saves and they lose 2-1, we're not even talking about this. If he wins, we're not even talking about this. But if they lose and he has another rough night, 
you better believe we're going to be talking about this. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so let's park that for a couple of seconds here. We're going to game four tomorrow, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Anything that you didn't cover off on the podcast last night or, or right now that you want to go over from from last? Oh, you know what? The cross check. Uh, Devon Caves yep. on Nikita Kucherov. I've always, I've always felt that cross checks like that in a lot of ways. I mean, they're sneaky because it's not you know you're not getting your stick sl- getting a stick slammed into you. But those cross checks where it's a, like a little bit of a push, but it's a push down as the stick sort of grates along your hip. Or sometimes you'll do it along the spine and right down into the into the lower spine region is just devastating and it freezes you. Like those are, you look at them and you say, uh, it doesn't really look, just looks more like a push. But when you see the stick like grinding down the body, it's like, oh man, players that have felt it know what that one's all about. And Tampa players were saying yesterday, John Cooper was saying, listen, we know what was going on in that play. I think that's what they're talking about, Fridge. Yeah, and, and I remember years ago, I, I told this story this morning to uh, to someone that uh, I just remember early in my time at Hockey Night in Canada, I think it was Nicholas Backstrom, the goalie. Um, you know, he got hurt. He was playing for Minnesota against Chicago, and he got hurt in warm-up, and he pulled himself from the game. And, you know, I, I think I went out there and I was kind of like, what is that? And I remember Greg Miller and Glenn Healy, they called me and they said, if you're going to question a guy's injury, you better know. Like, you cannot question a guy's injury unless you know for sure. So I've always remembered that uh, about, about that kind of situation. You know, if you go back to last year with Kucherov and the Scott Mayfield crosscheck, yep. one of the reasons that the call wasn't made at the time is that Kucherov does have a reputation for embellishing. But then, you know, we found out that he was legitimately injured in that particular case. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, like, look, like, if, if Devontae did that to me, I'd be hurting. I, I, I'd completely be hurting. And I understand that Kucherov was hurt. I, I think, and, and like, I, like, I don't think, like, 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 I don't think he was faking it or anything like that. I think the challenge that officials have told me with him is that in the past, you know, he has had that reputation, and they missed a really big call on him last year in the playoffs because of that reputation. Just because you and, – and I think it's exactly what you said. It's like, look, like in that moment, he, like that hurts like it does. Oh, but yeah. I, never, I never really got the sense that um, – I never really got the sense that he was in danger of missing a game. Cooper said earlier, it looks like he's going to play tomorrow. Um, and you know what? Like, when people play for the Stanley Cup, there's going to be guys on both teams that make those kinds of plays. And that's the nature of playing for the Stanley Cup. I mean, we, we could probably pick 20 plays from that game last night that you look at and say, that's really ugly. Um, that one gets a lot of attention because of who it was on. Uh, tonight, the NHL Awards. Uh, uh, by the way, I would, al- I would, also, I would yeah. also say, Jeff, that I think the Lightning are very frustrated still about the Lafreniere one with Hedman, that that got nothing. I don't know how that uh, didn't even get they didn't even get concert at all. I, I'm stunned. I, I I'm agree. stunned. I, I agree. That's a miss, like, as far as I'm concerned. And I think that's very much in their minds, that uh, Hedman took that headshot and nothing came of it. 
Uh, and then he took a stick in the face in game one uh, from Josh Manson as well, just to, to compound things. Uh, NHL awards tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern. You can watch this one on Sportsnet. Um, the Heart, the Vesna, the Norris, the Calder, the Ted Lindsay, and... Uh, in the couple of minutes we have here, I want to ask you about the Jim Gregory GM of the Year Award. Now, this was yep. the first time, as uh, as Berkey tells me, the first time this was proposed, he mentioned it to Gary Bettman in 1993, his first year mm-hmm. in the NHL. And it took until 2010 uh, until it finally happened. So sometimes these things get raised at managers' meetings, and it could take decades until it sees the day of light. This one first mentioned in 1993, but here we are. Uh, last year was Lou Lamarillo. Uh, the year before that was Lou Lamarillo. Um, this year, I'm not picking a three-peat. No, I don't think it's going to happen this time around, not after the season <laughs> they had. And also when you consider, too, that the voting is done after the second round of the playoffs. So I would imagine that whether... I would imagine that the vibe might be more leaning towards Julian Brisebois than anyone else here. I think you can make the case for Brad for Living. Uh, I think you can make the case for certainly Joe Sackick and Bill Zito and Chris Drury, um, Ken Holland uh, as well. How do you think this one breaks tonight? Uh, well, I think it's got to be Brisebois. First of all, I always get a good laugh about that uh, – I always get a good laugh about that uh, Berkey thing because I always say to him, "So you really felt you had to give yourself an award, eh?" So I always, <laughs> I always laugh about that. But you know, I, I I look at this and I say, at some point in time, you know, guys won back-to-back Stanley Cups. Like you have to reward them. Like to me, you almost have to fix the award. Like take in the votes, and I didn't vote on this one this year. But if you take the votes and then you use, and then you look at them, and if he doesn't win, you just say, "Oh, okay, uh, Bruce Ball won." That's uh, your he, idea. Like, that, that's yeah, your idea. That's your idea for this one. <laughs> yeah, he has to win. It's time. Like, yeah, we're overthinking this. It's back-to-back Stanley Cups in very difficult situations. Um, he he has to win. Last year, the two runner-ups were Mark Bergevin and Bill Zito. So then if this is Julian Brisebois' award to lose, who's the runner-up then? You know, I think you named some some good picks. I mean, uh, Sackick certainly would be deserving. Um, you know, I mean, obviously what happened was disappointing in the playoffs, but I think Tree Living would be uh, a very deserving candidate. Um, I mean, you always look and see who made the Final Four, right? Like, it generally tends to be very heavy in in that direction um you know i i you know zito they won the president's trophy i i don't have any problem with that either um even though they they it was a very disappointing playoff for them um i mean you could drew drury, drury too they won they got stronger in the playoff they, they made some nice additions at the deadline that helped them get to the semifinal, but um, I think all those guys would be fine, but Brisebois has to win. Like, there's there's just no other option here. You, you reach a point where you say, okay, come on, like this is ridiculous. Which uh, of all the major awards here, the Hart, the Vest, and the Norris, the Calder, which race do you think is the closest? Mm, Hart, Norris, Vesna, Calder, Ted Lindsay tonight too. We yes, should Ted mention Lindsay that as well. It's a big one. I that's, think, that's I the, think the, 
I don't think the Vesna will be close. I don't think the Calder will be close. I think the Norris could be pretty close. I think the Hart will be close. And um, the Hart between McDavid and Matthews with Igor yeah, Sesterkin as, as, as a third? I met one voter, I can't remember who it was, who told me he had Shesterkin first, which I don't mind. Uh, you know, everybody's everybody can do what they want. Um, uh, now you know. Now you know. Now you know too, Elliot. What's that? Now you know two people. Yes. Uh, oh, did you have Shesterkin first? I did. I had Shesterkin first. Okay. I mean, like, I don't think that's necessarily wrong or anything like that. But I, I think I think the Norris and the and the and the uh, harder could probably. My guess is they're the two closest ones. The heart will come. I mean, it, it sounds like it's lining up very much, whether it's Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews. Uh, I think it's Matthews McDavid. I think it's Matthews McDavid. You do, eh? Um, yeah. Norris coming down to Kale McCarr and Roman Yossi. I think that's Yossi McCarr. Yossi McCarr and Calder Trophy is more a cider and a walk? I, I think so. I, I think it's cider. I, I think the Vesna is just Sturkin. Mm-hmm. The Lindsay will be interesting because I always wonder about the years where the Hart and the Lindsay aren't the same people. I agree. Now, I know it's technically different, most viable player versus most outstanding player, but I always find it interesting when they're not the same. Uh, let me close on this. And we mentioned this on the podcast last night, and I'm still loving it. What did you make of Charles Barkley and Kyle Bukowskis? Last night, and the idea that Kyle is now Canada's Tom Brady. Canada's sexiest man, Kyle Bukowskis. <laughs> Get used to it, Kyle. Uh, I thought it was great. Like, the broadcasts are supposed to be fun, right? And and that yeah. was fun. Uh, you know, I, I read a book uh, years ago about uh, television. Like, just kind of like, it's, uh, it's basically like about how television is a total crapshoot. And nobody has any idea what they're doing. And you never know if someone is going to be a star or some show is going to be a star. And this book said that the most influential person in the history of television was Simon Cowell. Uh, because he came up with, with some of the biggest reality shows ever. And he was a very popular judge. And they, they basically just said he made so much money for so many people that he was the most influential person in the history of television. And, you know, I, I thought it was a very interesting argument. I think right now the most powerful presence on TV is Charles Barkley. There's nobody who can do what he does. Um, there's nobody who brings energy to a broadcast like he does. And the one thing that he has that everybody else is the don't care meter Like he's got so much money and he's so, uh, and he's so um, comfortable in his own skin and he's so good at it that he can do whatever he wants. And everybody just laughs at it. Like, there are things, we've talked about this, there are things that happen on that show that if we did them on Hockey Night in Canada, like, we'd be in, we, we, we'd be up Bleach Creek. <laughs> and it's him, so they don't care. Plus, he always brings it. Like, Jeff, I'm watching him last night, and I'm like, this is, uh, like, this, this is hilarious, and this is incredible. And it's pretty obvious he's kind of lit. And nobody cares. Like, if we went on air like that, we'd all be fired. But he goes on air like that, and everyone <laughs> just laughs. Uh, it's great, and it's awesome. And I, yeah. I, would, 
I would submit it's better that way, Elliot. It's better. I agree. I agree. That way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quick thought on Dan Bilesma. I uh, want to get this in. Coachella Valley Firebirds, AHL affiliate for the Seattle Kraken. Dan Bilesma back in the head coach game. Well, I, I think it's uh, – I'm sure that it's it's something that uh, – first of all, it's going to be a great place to live. I know a lot of people kind of wanted that job. Um, he worked partly with their – they had a they had a slight AHL affiliation this year. And, uh, uh, like, it worked for him. Um, I think, you know, one, one thing I think over the years, Jeff, is coaches want to coach and they want to be head coaches. And you always get chances to reinvent yourself and, and do new things. And this is a great opportunity for him. It's excellent. Uh, and we wish him and a very cool sounding team all the best uh, next season in the American Hockey League. All right. Uh, on tap, you've already had basketball. What's uh, the rest of your day looking like, Fridge? Uh, I got some uh, more radio to do. Um, I've got, uh, I've got some radio to do and, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to enjoy that and I've got a workout to do and then I got to get ready for the awards. It's a big one. Uh, we'll be tuned in tonight. Uh, thanks for each. You be well. We'll check in tomorrow. Have a great day, my man. There he is. Uh, he is not Canada's Tom Brady. Uh, that is Cal Bacoscus. He is Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. That